With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Golf Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow me on Twitter at GolfUnfiltered, and you can send me an email, GolfUnfiltered at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram. Before we get too uh, deep into today's episode, where we actually have two guests on to talk a little bit more about golf equipment reviews and the current state of how they're conducted, I wanted to give some shout-outs to our friends over at BudgetGolf.com. Be sure to go out there and check out all the great deals that they've got. They actually just closed up their... Uh, summer clearance event that just went on their website where I got some incredible deals on golf pants. Uh, my wife got some new shoes. I actually told my friends about it, and we put together this huge order and saved a ton of cash, and they have these types of sales all the time, so be sure to go check them out. also want to say hello to our friends over at the Hacker's Paradise, and especially if you're listening to this episode on the THP mobile app. And last but certainly not least, hello to our friends over at Cleveland Golf and Strixon Golf. As you guys know, I'm playing their equipment this year, still loving it, loving the scores that I'm shooting, especially with the irons. I mean, goodness gracious, they're so great. And they just got a little bit better because they just sent in the RTX 4 wedges from Cleveland over here to uh, GUHQ. I've had the chance to test those out. Actually won a golf outing with them yesterday. I'm recording this on a Sunday. My friends and I actually went and played a cross-country golf outing. I don't know if you know what that is, but basically you tee off from one tee box and you play to a completely random uh, green. Uh, not maybe, maybe not random. Obviously, there, we knew where we had to go, but it's not the green that's actually on the hole that you're teeing off from. So it was a lot of fun. There were some crazy shots that you had to, to hit. We actually played an 800 yard hole which we made a four on thank you very much uh and the rtx4 wedges helped a whole lot and i just tested them even uh, additional testing this morning uh with the ball launch monitor to compare them to the rtx3 wedges that were previously in my bag and there's going to be a review on that going up on the site here momentarily on that topic and something that was uh stemmed from an article that i posted earlier this weekend uh, the current state of golf equipment reviews is really interesting to me, and I know that I've spoken to a few others, including Matt Saturnus and Michael Verska, who you're going to hear uh, in just a little bit. Uh, there's just so many different classes of websites and types of reviews that you can read on the same product that maybe it gets a little confusing at times. And so I did my best within the article to kind of outline the different types of uh, review sites as far as how I see it. Really, I can't even really tell you what prompted me to write the article. It was not intended to cause a stir or to come off as negative towards any website. I mean, not certainly the names that I mentioned within the website uh, have been successful. Certainly, uh, in most instances, much more successful than this website, my website. So good for them. But I think it's important to really understand that there are just a ton of different opinions on uh, everything related to golf equipment. And so 
to continue this conversation, I reached out on Twitter, said, hey, I'm going to record a podcast as a follow-up to the article. Would anyone like to hop on and help out? Two of the names that did so were two names I've already mentioned. Matt Saturnus is the editor-in-chief, owner, head honcho over at PluggedInGolf.com. And then Michael Verska is a 20-plus year veteran in the uh, golf equipment space. Certainly you've uh, listened to both Matt and Michael on this podcast in the past. So without much further ado, sit back, relax. I hope you enjoy this continuing conversation about the current state of equipment reviews. We're going to kick things off right now with Matt Saturnus, followed by Michael Verska later in the episode. Enjoy. You know, listeners, welcome back. As I mentioned, I've got Mr. Matt Saturnus here. He's the first guest to talk to me today on this topic about golf equipment reviews. And uh, as I mentioned in the intro, Matt, you know, I had authored an article earlier this weekend, just kind of, I just got this, this whim, you know, I just like, you know what, I'm going to write this article and I'm going to see how it plays out. And I wasn't even sure if I wanted to publish it, but I assume that You've you've read the article regarding basically my review of golf equipment reviews. <laughs> I, I did. Did you base that assumption on the fact that I sent you a text saying, "Damn, your clickbait"? <laughs> <laughs> I loved it when I got it. I was I was cracking yeah. up. My wife looked at me like, "What are you cackling like an idiot about?" I'm like, "You have yeah. to read this text." But yeah, so you've read the article. You know, I didn't intentionally mean to cause a stir or anything. I just feel that it's sometimes you know, important to kind of, you know, break that fourth wall a little bit because people love reading about equipment reviews and you at pluggedingolf.com do a great job at it. And so you guys have been doing reviews for how long now? Uh, A little over five years. Yeah. And and time flies. Time does fly, (laughs) doesn't it? Uh, And I would say that your site is very similar in style and tone as Golf Unfiltered. And I said as much in the, in the article as well. Uh, because we almost have like this hybrid approach, where you incorporate data, uh, you have you know uh, the, you have technology to show ball launch characteristics or statistics, and then you actually couple that with just a general, uh, you know, hypothesis or not hypothesis, but a general um, explanation of the product and a very good description in a very concise way. Why did you choose at Plugged In Golf to kind of go that route? Yeah, so thank you, first of all. But um, I think that there's a spectrum of of ways you can go with this, right? When you're talking about golf equipment, you can do something that is super bland. And I'll I'll call it what it is. Uh, I think it's really bland to just uh, do what a Golf Digest does Mm -hmm. most, most months when it's like, here are four new hybrids and they're just, it's just reprinting manufacturer bullet points, right? Right. Uh, this this is a new hybrid. Here's the price, and it's got speed foam, or it's got whatever whatever the, the manufacturer says. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, you can tell people this is what you ought to buy. Uh, now, I think both ends of that are wrong because on one end you're not really telling them anything, and on the other end you're not leaving any room for what we all know exists, which is that personal interaction with the club. That's why, why club fitting is so important. And you and I both harp on that all the time. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you've got to get fit. You've, your clubs have to fit your swing and your game and your body and all that. Um, so what 
I like to think I, I do, what I try to do, is find something in the middle where we're going to tell you something that's useful and data-driven as far as how the club performs. This is a high-launching hybrid. It's a low-launching driver. You know, it's a very forgiving iron setter. It's not. Um, but then also still leave that room for saying, you got to get fit, and here's a range of players this might work for. Um, here might be an outlier who might fit into this, but ultimately it's still up to the player to decide what they want to play, what works well for them. Um, but again, still trying to give them some value in reading this other than, Hey, this is another club you can buy. Mm -hmm. Do you guys go into comparisons insofar as, you know, cause obviously as a reviewer, you're trying to explain how the club worked for you, but do you ever go mm -hmm. into, Hey, this is how it performed to my current gamer, for example. Yeah, I, I will, uh, especially with irons. I think that's that's one where I'll do that pretty often. Uh, yeah, I play pretty traditional irons, uh, players' irons, if you will, um, that have traditional lofts, or, well, as traditional as they can be nowadays. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I might say something like, if you've got a, an M4, a tailor-made M4, which has got super, super strong lofts, I might say this is 15 or 20 yards further in the seven iron than my gamers, um, you know, and then explain that, you know, there's a, a big loft difference. It's not that the M4 is magical. It's, you know, there's a big gap in how they're put together. Um, so I'll do that there. I may, you know, talk about that with, with anything really driver shafts or, uh, or drivers talk about why something might or might not contend to go in my personal bag. We get a lot of comments, a lot of questions about comparisons. Mm -hmm. Should I buy the M4 or the Rogue? And I, I really steer against those. Uh, people probably get pretty frustrated because I just, I literally copy and paste the same response a lot of times, which is, you've got to go get fit. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't tell you what to buy. Um, there are times when I can offer you something. You know, for example, to my eye, this is better looking, or my sense of feel and sound, I prefer this. Um, or maybe there are some there's some big difference in the data we see. Like, um, you know, just again to throw out that that example of the Rogue versus the M4. This is I'm just making this up, but sure. maybe the M4 is launched two degrees higher at the same loft. Uh, well, that would be worth sharing. That and then the person could use that information to go, uh, you know, make a decision. Mm -hmm. But generally, we try to let everything stand on its own uh, because again, I think if you start doing that comparison. Um, first of all, you're going to get caught up doing it all the time, I think, uh, or I'm afraid of that. And then you steer toward that idea of here's what you ought to buy. Go buy this, which I really don't think is the right way to go. What I've noticed uh, that you guys, what you guys don't do, and we try to stay away from that as well at, at uh, GU, is like a ranking element to the, mm -hmm. the reviews that we do throughout the year. Uh, is, is that a conscious decision to not rank one company above another? Absolutely. Uh, there have been times where I've, I've thought about it. I, every year I try and do a little assessment of where, what we're doing well, what we're not doing well, what are some new ideas and kick things around. And there was a time where I thought about having, we, we have a number of different writers and I thought, why don't we have one writer do all the drivers in a given year? And that way they could, they could rate them all and we could get some data on different things and we could really, um, maybe put some points to it, put a score on things. And the more I thought about it, it really just cut against 
our core belief of getting fit because anything where we're leaning toward telling people, this is the best, this is what you ought to buy. If you're not playing this, you know, that's a bad decision. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to go there because again, both of us have spent enough time in fitting days, enough time talking to fitters. We know that they put different people in every different driver. You know, there are people who fit the Titleist, who fit the Ping, fit TaylorMade Callaway right down the wall. That's why they all exist, uh, is that for some given player, each one of those is going to be best. So for me to say, nope, this year TaylorMade is the number one driver, well, that's going to end up harming somebody who actually would be better off with something else. Well, and that's interesting because I don't like to... (laughs) I don't, I don't want to sound like whatever, but, you know, at at some point, golf websites like yours and mine has a responsibility because to the point that you just brought up, you know, someone's going to read what we write or listen to what we talk about and potentially make a purchasing decision because otherwise, why would they want to read, you know, the, our thoughts on golf equipment? I mean, that, that basically everything just goes back to that baseline of, yeah, at some point, money's going to be spent by somebody. And I, I often wonder where our scope of our, where the scope of our responsibility begins and ends, especially when we're working with golf companies. Now, I know that we've talked about this on the show in the past about how kind of the whole review process works, where we, you know, network or, or have a professional relationship with these uh, equipment manufacturers, and there are certain people that we work with. And maybe there are multiple people that we work with at the same company. But at some point, wouldn't you agree that we are doing them a service as well, right? Doing a service for the golf company? Right. Yeah, uh, I think so. I think, uh, yeah, to an extent, I I think that's absolutely true. We're promoting their product on our site in a a fashion, Um, you know, promoting in the sense that it's, it's being made more visible. Um, you know, I think there are certainly times for both of us when, uh, companies wish their, their product wasn't on our site. They don't like what we write, but, uh, but yeah, I think that's, that's certainly true. And, and the reason I go there is be, and you're right. So I can think of a couple examples, uh, recently, uh, on my end, at least. Um, the reason I go there, Matt, is because, you know, obviously there's nothing free about golf equipment reviews. And I think that's a big misconception that that maybe some readers and and listeners might have, you know, obviously there's a perk in being able to keep most of the equipment that gets sent to us, but it's not free. I mean, we we do have to perform a service based on what they send. Yeah. And I, I would, you know, I, I think it's, and I, it's, it's tough. You, I don't know how to exactly say this the right way. I wish I'd had, something a little little better prepared on this particular point. But um, when you say we're providing a service, I I think people might hear that and think, oh, they're, they're, they're giving away a free review or it's bought and paid for something Mm -hmm. along those. And I know that's not what you mean. I'm just, but I'm clarifying that for, for the broader audience. Sure. Uh, I view my responsibility. And, and like you said, we're not trying to sound high and mighty here. We're talking about golf, but, but still, I view that I have a responsibility to give an honest review of the product that I'm given. And really my responsibility is to the reader to give them good information. Uh, And if ultimately 
a golf company decides that they don't like the information I'm providing and they don't want to provide product anymore, that's certainly within their right. And I've had companies that absolutely decide that. And, you know, it doesn't stop us one bit. We, we try and cover absolutely everything that comes out. Um, but uh, you know, the other thing that I, I think a lot of people may not understand or may, may not quite get is they'll read a review and they'll see a negative review and say, what? we have this weird bias that people think negative reviews are more honest. Mm. Uh, I've, been, I've been critical of, of some PXG products. Um, I've been also very positive about some of them. But a lot of the, some of the PXG reviews uh, have been negative, and I get so many comments from people saying, oh, finally, somebody's telling the truth. And I said, well, I'm, I'm telling the truth all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not just when I'm being negative. Um, there, and I, I say all that to get to this. There aren't very many bad products in golf anymore. Right. These are multi-million dollar companies. They put a lot of time and energy into developing products. And if you look at a product and you say, this is bad, it's just all bad, it's terrible, garbage, garbage, you're probably not looking at it the right way. Maybe it doesn't work for you, but the thing we always try and do is say, well, it's not for me, but it's probably for somebody. Take the square strike wedge. They sell that on the the infomercials. Mm -hmm. I'm not putting it in my bag. You're probably not putting it in your bag, but I'll be damned if it doesn't do what they they say it does. And I've got pages of comments from people on that review saying, man, I couldn't chip worth anything, and I just chipped in three times in the last month, and I love it, and I'm, I'm over the moon. Well, that's cool, you know, and, and that was important. It's important for me, in my opinion, to say, here's who this is for. Maybe not for me, but it's good at what it does. Yeah, I think that's a, re- a really important point, and I, I love the fact that you pointed out, you know, negative reviews are often thought of as the most truthful, which (laughs) I understand completely what you're saying. And it's funny, though, because while the readers may like seeing that, I mean, people flock to drama. They just kind of gravitate towards uh, that type of tone. And and I know that certain sites try to do that more often than others. (laughs) But, um, you know, the other end of that, though, is the fact that, yeah, the person who you're working with at the company also reads that review. Because I don't know what you guys do, but I'll send a link to the review once it's posted to the person that I work with. And so they can read it as well and hopefully share it if they want. But uh, certainly, you've alluded to this earlier, there are instances when maybe even the company doesn't really like what we writ- wrote. Yeah, uh, I had we had an experience earlier this year had one last year. I mean, we're probably averaging a couple of years where somebody comes back and says, uh, look, we really want you to take this down. We feel really strongly that you didn't consider this, that, or the other, or, you know, sometimes not even making an argument about why it's wrong, just telling us they don't like it and mm-hmm. they want it down. And um, yeah, that's absolutely part of the game. And I get that if you're a representative of X company, your job is to make sure they get good coverage, uh, positive coverage. Um, you know, that's not my job necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes we are at loggerheads. And, and like I said, there have been times where that means that we don't work with certain companies anymore. And that's, you know, everybody in this, uh, in this sphere is, is a grown up and they get to make their own decisions. And if they don't want to be on plugged in golf or golf unfiltered, that's certainly their choice. Definitely enjoy your thoughts on this. And I'm glad that you reached out to want to be on this topic. And uh, frankly, folks listening, I mean, I, I didn't know I was going to record on this topic uh, up until 
literally just a couple hours ago. And so Matt is doing this on extremely short notice. And so I appreciate that. Um, Matt, I just want one more question before I get you out of here. But with all of the different types of sites that go on, you know, the community-based models like the Hackers Paradise, Golf WRX, who actually get their readers in, involved and, and, and test equipment that they send them. There's others that are more uh, data-driven, certainly uh, folks like My Golf Spy and others. And then there's the sites that, like you and me, and I explained what the hybrid approach is, there's a lot of different opinions being shared out there. But I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. What what would be your thoughts on the current state of the golf equipment review era that we're in? Huh, that's a really good question. Um, I guess I I tend to lean toward more is better, more more information, more ideas, more opinions is probably better. Um, you know, one of the 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 driving things for me with starting plugged in golf and with continuing it is that we want to make information easily accessible, uh, which is why we don't do the forum thing. Uh, you know, we do, we do reader reviews every now and again, we're in the middle of one right now and we try and involve the community and have, have a sense of community. Um, but I think the forum model is not really ideal for get people getting good information. Mm-hmm. Um, but comparing where we're at now to however many years ago when it was just, the big golf magazines, which are fully bought and paid for, uh, I, I'll take today over that any day. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe we do need to to thin the herd a little bit and not have quite so many sites clogging up the Google search. <laughs> um, but you know, but maybe that's also just me talking and, and wanting to uh, have a little better SEO. <laughs> <laughs> I feel your pain. I feel it. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think more is better. In a lot of ways, um, and I think as far as thinning out the herd, I think I think readers naturally do that in a way. I hope, and uh, you know, I, I certainly hope that you guys over at uh, Plugged In Golf continue to do what you do because you do it well, and uh, we'll continue to collaborate in the future. Well, thank you, and thanks for having me on. But really, you know listeners here we're talking with michael verska as i mentioned in the intro michael has been on the show in the past and he's uh, certainly an expert as far as golf equipment he's worked at many different places with a few different companies and michael uh with your second time being on the show which i'm sad it's only the second time i should be better at in offering invites to you <laughs> I'll take this. I'll take two. I'll take three. I'll, I'm happy with the first one. So uh, <laughs> let's just keep it moving. I'm all good with it. Nice, nice. Happy so, to be here. Absolutely. And, you know, and Michael, uh, for our listeners who may not have heard the first time that you were on, uh, maybe just a quick rundown uh, at your experience or talk a little bit about maybe some of the couple places you've worked at, uh, which leads you up to being the expert that I made you out to be earlier. Well, thanks. I've been in the industry about 20 years now, 20-ish years. Um, first couple at Wilson Golf, uh, then I was a director of product development, a senior director. I don't know exactly what my title is, but spent 10 years at Adams, Adams Golf, and was inter. Uh, you know, my first project there was the original idea set. Um, so really intimately involved with all of the idea products. You know, getting the hybrids to be number one on tour, uh, working with just an incredible, incredible group of people there. Um, you know, developed some products that I am super proud of and, you know, won a lot of events. And uh, every once in a while, I still see them in bags, uh, which is pretty amazing since it's been, 
been five or six years since uh, you know any of those clubs have been produced, and then spent six years as the global director of innovation for Wilson Golf, and extremely proud of the work we did there. Uh, some you know FG Tour V6, uh, the original driver versus driver show. Um, you know, a lot of the, the, some of the lightweights, excuse me, all the lightweight stuff, you know, D100, D200, D300, and then recently uh, with all the power hold technology. And then the last couple of years, I've been doing a lot of consulting work with some smaller golf companies, most of which, unfortunately, I can't name publicly, uh, but doing some cool stuff with some golf balls, golf gloves, golf clubs, uh, you name it, really uh, all kinds of products uh, in that regard. So, like I said, 20 years, uh, done a lot of very cool things I'm proud of and uh, hopefully learned a little along the way and hopefully can educate a little bit now. <laughs> See, listeners, I told you, this guy knows his stuff. He's, he's seen a lot. And, Michael, <laughs> as, as I'm sure during your time with any of those companies, uh, you've certainly uh, reached out or worked with websites such as Golf Digest, Golf.com, and others uh, to get equipment reviews published about all the stuff that you're working on. Absolutely. And uh, from, you know, the biggest, if you want to call Golf Digest the biggest or golf magazine, all the way down to the smallest of blogs, which I've tried to be, uh, tried to be available and, and love talking to different people at different realms. And, uh, you know, I, not much different than uh, talking now, Adam. So uh, yeah, right? happy to do it. But yes. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, part of why you and I were are talking today it, it stems from an article that I published on the site uh, yeah. earlier this weekend about just the current state of the golf equipment review space. You know, there's so many different websites that le uh, readers can go and consumers can learn a little bit more about the products that are being released. And I would like to think that here at Golf and Filtered, you know, we inform the readers on new equipment. And so perhaps maybe purchasing decisions are made. And really, because there's so many different websites now, you, you pretty much have a flavor for whatever type of review that you want you've got everything from data all the way down to just hey i kind of like this all the way uh and, and in between there there's you know community-based review models michael is is there a particular flavor i guess uh, or a class of equipment reviews that you actually tend to read more of uh, well, in my position, I tend to read almost all of them, um, but, mm -hmm. you know, I, I really like the data-driven stuff, uh, and then I really like people who get into, hey, this is, the, you know, this is the type of golfer I am, uh, and, and this is what this club did for me. So I think both of those can be very helpful for the consumer. You know, if they look at one of the data things, and, you know, I think probably the, you know, the two biggest are, are um, Golf Digest Hot List and, and My Golf Spy, and, and mm -hmm. both of them do uh, good to great things in, in different varieties. Both of them have uh, some flaws, in my opinion, um, but they're both they both do a wonderful job. And those are the two biggest uh, data-driven ones out there. There are certainly other ones, uh, but there's lots of guys. And, and I, I, Adam, I think you generally do a good job. But there's other ones who are like, you know, this is what this club did for me, um, and and this is why I liked it, or or maybe why I didn't, as the case may be. And I think it, it's as a consumer, if you find out, oh, that you know, this guy's a similar handicap to me this guy has a similar swing speed to me this gal um you know tends to spin it more or spin it less you can use those things and as they compare and learn um then you can apply that to you if you're a similar golfer um you know quite frankly you know somebody else i'll make up a fictitious one if dustin johnson left the pga tour tomorrow mm -hmm. um and started a golf blog <laughs> i would um, love to read I, that <laughs> 
It was, one, it would be really cool. Two, I'm, I don't think he'd post very often, uh, just knowing his laid-back attitude. But, but you know, looking at his swing speed and his launch doesn't really apply to me, right? So my, it might be cool to read. Um, you know, how much am I going to learn from, from as applied to my game from somebody with, you know, who's launching at, you know, at 120 mile an hour club head speed plus, you know, my 106 isn't going to quite uh, correlate there. So, you know, I think anytime anyone reads these, and if you're just reading them for, for, uh, cause you're a golf nut and you want to go through it by all means, read all of them. But if you're, if you want to do it for purchasing, understand, you know, where it's coming from. Um, you know, what that, what that person is telling you about being their experience. Is it data driven? Is it, Oh, you know, I, I use ball X. I'm now I'm testing ball Y and I was five yards longer on every tee shot today. That's good. Have, how much do you know about the ball? He, that, you know, that user used to play compared to this one. So there's all those things that are, that are can help the consumer if they're willing to do that one extra step of understanding. But again, the data stuff um, can be overwhelming. So that creates a new challenge for some people. And from the perspective of someone who worked on the equipment side, I mean, what do companies typically want to see in a review? You had mentioned that you naturally gravitate to the data-driven <laughs> approach, but I'd imagine that obviously these equipments want a positive spin on their product, but do they really actually want honest opinions? Uh, so the answer is unquestionably they want positive. I mean, that's the way it goes. And, um, as a blogger and as somebody who does reviews, uh, you that, not you specifically, but mm-hmm. I guess you're in that group along with anybody else has to decide, um, you know, what are they going to be? Are they going to be the brutally honest? I'm going to lay it on the line. If this is, if I don't like it, I'm going to, you know, lay it out there as, as hyper negative. Because um, the risk there is you don't get no, you don't get the second free thing, right? You do mm-hmm. that once, it gets out there. Um, you might not get a second chance, and that that's a risk for for people who are just starting out and just getting going. Um, or do you, or do you, are you always going to be 90% positive and, and just give it the, the little negatives, that little spin, if you want to, um, to kind of keep it real, if that's the right term, uh, from a data perspective, you know, I, I think if you look at somebody like my golf spy, um, again, I think they do a wonderful job there. Again, there's some things that I would maybe argue could be different or better. And, uh, some of that stuff I've commented on Twitter, if somebody wants to go back and, and read some of that, mm-hmm. um, but I've, you know, I've worked with those guys. A lot of them are, are wonderful human beings. They are, uh, they're very confident in what they do. And I mean that in a good way because they, they feel like they've done a lot of research. Um, but you, as a consumer, you need to go through and sort that out. They did, a, I think, a much better job this year of putting out, uh, you know, different swing speed cate- <clears throat> categories and player types and that sort of thing. I forget their exact nomenclature, but that, mm-hmm. that's the premise there. So I think it was very helpful. I commented on that. When you look at something like Digest, um, you know, they're only printing out what they call, you know, their gold and silver winners, which, you know, according to, if you talk to Johnson Zachura, which I have for years, I consider them both friends, I've known them for a long, long time. You know, they are, they're doing all of that testing, sorting the data, and basically saying, these are all the best of the best. Um, you know, they had editor's choice years ago, and they actually stripped that away because it became, you know, a gold matter, gold, you know, basically a winner mm-hmm. and a bunch of also rams. Um, you know, there's there's some theory today from a, from a consumer standpoint is um, while they do still give out silver medals, you know, boy, if you don't get a gold, you're really, you know, how good can you really be? And I, Johnson Sachura specifically uh, will tell, and Joel Beal will tell you specifically that's not, you know, what their intent. That's all they're saying is these are all world class products. Um, if you get a medal, you've done something really, really good. 
um, but the gold maybe just separates themselves from one or two specific categories. So, um, you know, the, the argument with Golf Digest and, and with, with from the industry people is, oh, they include things that maybe aren't so important. I, you know, I think they do a great job. The, you know, the argument with my golf spy people is usually one of two things. One, they don't like the way they test, or mm-hmm. two, uh, they overvalue certain aspects of that test to come up um, with their ranking system again. But, you know, if you go to, if you go to Titleist, they test clubs in a certain way. You go to Ping or Adams Golf or Wilson Golf, everybody tests in slightly different ways. Um, so there's always going to be those arguments. And as a consumer, you might not understand all of it, but you're going to have to make a choice if you're going to use that from a purchasing standpoint on what's important to you. And um, again, maybe dig a little bit deeper. Well, and I think to some degree, and you had mentioned a couple websites, and certainly my golf spy goes down the path of, you know, is this product performing the way that it's marketed to perform? And they may have a different spin on that as well uh, that we don't necessarily have to get into. But uh, is it the responsibility of these bloggers or journalists or even, you know, the big boys like uh, Digest or, or Golf.com, is it their responsibility to weed out the the worst from the best? I mean, it seems like, to your point, when everyone receives gold medals, is that more so because, wow, maybe there is just less gap between the performance from one brand to the next because everything's great right now? Or is it really our responsibility to go in and say, hey, you know what? This isn't actually that good of a product. Well, so that's a complicated question. I'm going to try to break into a couple short pieces, and then you can tell me if I actually answered any of it. Sure. Uh, I, do th- I do think that if you're going to be out there blogging my Golf Spy, Golf Digest, um, specifically using data, um, I'll loop back to Golf Magazine here in a second. I do think there's some responsibility there to separate things. And, again, I think – most of the insiders, meaning people who are at OEMs, their squabbles are with the criteria. And as you know, you're never going to make everybody happy, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, to, to answer the other part of that question, yeah, I mean, there's not that many bad golf clubs out there. Now, there could be a bad golf club for Joe Golfer or Sally Golfer based on their launch and spin and speed. Um, that does happen. You know, driver X maybe again, we're, you know, talking about maybe great for a tour player, but might, might not be that good for you personally. Uh, and, and I think again, the data driven ones can help sort that out when they show things about launch and spin, um, specifically. So now golf magazine does it a little bit differently. Golf magazine is really just reporting, um, and, and most almost all positive. I mean, they, they put pretty much everything that's submitted into the mag, everything that's pretty much everything that's submitted goes to the magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and typically they put, you know, three, four, five positives and and then everybody gets one or two negatives, whether it's really a negative or not. So, you know, I, I would much more put my golf spy and, and hot list, whether or not the same. And I don't think either one of them would want to be considered the same <laughs> or even really compared to the other. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think you could put those at least in a class. Uh, and then golf, you know, quite frankly, golf magazine, although obviously the scale and readership is, is significant, is a lot more like an independent blog, in my opinion, where they're they're really pretty much testing everything um, and then putting it out there. A little data, but much more anecdotal uh, and individual comments and experiences. What's interesting, too, is as I write in the article that uh, that's up on the site, there are those different classes, and one of the classes of review sites is now this community 
approach where sites like the Hackers Paradise that I know you and I know both uh, very well, um, Golf, Golf WRX, there's a few others that actually send equipment to their uh, readership who then test from the the goal of getting the average Joe or average Jane golfers a viewpoint. Uh, how does that come across to golf equipment companies? Is that exactly what they want to see or do they prefer trusted names like Statura and Johnson and others who they know their writing style and they, they know what they're going to get, or do they actually want to get the common man, common girls uh, viewpoint? Well, I, I think they want both in generally that you want both. Um, you know, you, you know, I know, you know, Josh and hackers well, as do I, I'm, I'm big fans of them. I've worked with them and planning on doing uh, stuff in the future, assuming they'll have me back after my next comments. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's great. And, and what that does differently is that Joe golfer. And, and so all, so we don't have, you know, a billion bl- golf blogs, you know, although sometimes it seems like, well, there's, you know, not that many, but the average golfer does get something. And the other thing that the, the benefit to the, to the, the OEM is almost a hundred percent of the time that OEM now has a fan. You know, if ping gives away a new set of irons to eight people and they go test them, those eight people are probably going to be big ping fans and maybe buy, you know, a ping driver next time, even if that maybe wasn't at the front of their list. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty reasonably inexpensive way to touch a lot of people. Um, you know, and the people who didn't win still get excited about, Oh, you know, I I've got this guy who I've never met, but boy, we've interacted on the hackers paradise, um, um, you know, forum a hundred times, you know, I feel like I know the guy I've seen pictures of his kids and his dog. And I know he shot 86 last weekend. (laughs) And it turns out that we like a lot of the same shafts. That's really cool because even if the guy didn't win, he now knows, Oh, that player likes the same shafts that I like. Mm -hmm. We've had similar success on heads. So if this guy raves about this new, again, ping Titleist, Callaway, you name it, boy, if this works for that guy, it's probably going to work for me. And that gets get it right back to where we've started as understanding who the testers are, understanding, you know, what they're going for, what um, categories of swing they are. So, you know, getting those five or six or eight out is, is not free. I mean, that costs real money, sure. real product. Um, but you can touch a lot of people in that way. And again, the other thing it is, you get some almost guaranteed fans going forward. Um, so those eight sets that you give away, you know, probably turn into 20 sets automatically in sales. No, that's no one, you know, no one's going to be able to go buy a boat off of that. Right. But that's how you build, start building a brand and continue to have fans and, and, and go. An interesting way to look at it, and I hadn't considered the return on investment side of it. I knew that that was always part of the conversation, but I like the analogy that you draw of you know sending out X could yield Y in terms of return. Uh, obviously, Michael, certainly appreciate your thoughts on this, and again, I thank you for reaching out to get involved in this episode. I have one final question for you, and then I'll, uh, I'll let you get on the rest of your Sunday. Uh, with the yeah. the number of sites now that are out there, I mean, do you le- tend to lean more towards more is better, or do you think that maybe the herd could use a little bit of thinning out, to use a, uh, a phrase that uh, Matt Saturnus did earlier uh, in the first interview? <laughs> well, I, I in this case, I think I agree with Matt, and uh, not and and this kind of goes back to your ROI. You just mentioned, and I think I talked about that exact term um, the first time we talked uh, when the, when the subject came up. 
you know, if you're an OEM, you know, you're going to want to have a return. And, you know, sometimes those are easy to judge. Sometimes they're, they're difficult to judge. But, you know, if there's 100 blog sites, you're not going to send out 100 sets of irons. That's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it comes down to, you know, who is bringing that return. And, and that's a combination of things. One, and let's not kid ourselves, uh, number of eyes, number of clicks, number of, of um, videos posted in the time those videos are watched. Those, those metrics truly matter. So there isn't just a scale and scope that factors in. And then the other one is the quality. Um, you know, you might be, uh, you know, somebody in marketing or, or somebody in an innovation type role at, at a company uh, and you read somebody and went, wow, I really like what they did. I read your stuff. I don't remember how many years ago that was and um, went, that's kind of cool. I met Matt um, when he was writing for a different um, a different website before he started plugged in. Right. And I said, boy, th- this is something that I like. And, and that's how those relationships develop. So, you know, if you're not bringing quality. Um, and you're not bringing eyeballs or clicks or whatever metric you're using, then you're not bringing that return. You don't necessarily have to have both. Typically, if you have lots of eyeballs and lots of clicks, you're doing something well. Um, but there are that beginner who will get supported because they're doing something different or what they are doing is so good and so well done that people are saying, well, I'm going to be with, I'm going to get with these guys early so I can be friends with them as they get bigger in the hopes and expectations that they, they are because of the quality. So yeah, if you're out there and you're just and your goal is, you know, I'm going to start a blog tomorrow. I don't want to discourage that in any way, by all means, but don't assume automatically that you're going to get free clubs for the rest of your life from every <laughs> manufacturer. Cause uh, as you well know, that's, that's not the way the game works. And as more and more get, come out, the more selective OEMs are going to have to be. Yeah. Makes complete sense. And believe me, I've been doing this for quite a while now over, Oh God, over 13 years now. And uh, believe me, I, I still don't work with every OEM. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, Michael, I really do appreciate your time tonight and uh, we'll do this again much sooner than, uh, than we did before. <laughs> well, good. I, I'm always happy to. And uh, again, if, if you, I guess some of the stuff's been covered with you and I and check out my Twitter, the golf man and, I always like to interact with golfers, uh, you especially. So thanks for having me.